Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, I've, I forgot we were singing that song today. Father God, hallelujah. We worship you. Hallelujah. Lord, come near. Lord, come near as we try to do everything that we can do, the things that you've told us to do, to draw near to you, Father. We praise you. We sing songs to you. We proclaim your name. You are holy. You are good. Deserving of all of our praise. Deserving of our adoration. And Lord, hallelujah. We belong to you. Father, in this moment, as my emotions seem to be getting the better of me, Lord, get me out of the way. Get all of us out of our own way, Lord. Lord, we desire fellowship with you. Lord, we desire to come near to you. Lord, we desire to be more sold out to you, more abandoning of our own lives, of our own ways, of our own wills, and we want to be totally yours. In everything that that entails. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us, lead us. Open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord. Let us see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I, there, there are a list of things that we can bring before you this morning, Lord. Heartaches, heartbreaks, physical needs. But Lord, right now, let us just embrace you. And let us, Lord, also feel your warm embrace. Father, we want to have fellowship with you. We want to be in your presence, laying aside everything else. Hallelujah. 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 Come near, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise your holy name, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to his name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I st- Lord, I still, I still need eyes to see. And I still need you, Lord, to strengthen me by your Spirit. Lord, I still need your strength to come through me. Lord, all of us in those times, in those in this moment, we feel the presence of your Holy Spirit among us. We feel a, a presence, Lord. But it's in those times when we walk away from here that we want to feel this same presence, Lord. So endue us with your power. Lord, somehow, someway, minister to us. Lord... When we walk away from here, let your presence go with us, Lord. 
Hallelujah. Right now what comes to my mind and to my heart, Lord, is what your servant Moses said to you. If you don't go, I don't go. <laughs> Lord God, I don't want to go anywhere without you. Lord God, please let your presence go with us as we spend the rest of this time, Lord, in your word. Father, it doesn't matter what I have planned. It doesn't matter what my notes say. Have your way. Hallelujah. Speak, Jesus. Speak, Jesus. Speak. In, in your great name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's see if we can get through this, my brothers and my sisters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going back to Psalm 1, but I won't be there very long. I don't think, if the Lord allows. We've been studying together on Wednesday nights, and I've referred to the Scripture several times. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I, mean, I can't even remember how many times I've shared this Scripture because I've shared it in this atmosphere, in this building, and then outside of this building with so many folks. And I don't know if it's just the Lord continuing to remind me or what. I just, all glory, honor, and praise be to God. Amen. So we're going to be there. But in Psalm 1, if you'll remember, beginning in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so some of us were together Wednesday, studied a little bit about this. That, that word delight out of the Hebrew, you know, it's, it's talking about pleasure, uh, but not just pleasure. Uh, it's a spiritual, it's, a, it's spiritual, it's fulfillment, it's, but it's, it's an overwhelming kind of thing. That it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a, it brings you pleasure, but at the same time you find yourself longing for it. Because it brings you pleasure, it becomes your desire. Okay? It, there, there's this, this connected. It's connected somehow, not just that it brings you happiness, joy, but it's this deep pleasure, this deep inner fulfillment that it causes you, and the more you have, the more you want it. It's a desire. But it, you're looking at it as a, of this thing of highly valued. It's, it's highly valued in your life. And I, and I want to be, I don't want to humanize this, but at the same time, uh, gosh, I, I can't think of whatever it is. I mean, I love, I'll just say it this way. I can't help it. I'm just going to say it this way. Man, my children, my grandchildren are so important to me. And now I have those two precious twins. And, and yesterday, um, Mitch and Rachel came by and had the twins with them. And, of course, they, I mean, wherever they're, I mean, they've got my attention from the time they walk in the door. You guys know. And, and, and they're so precious. And, you know, they, either they just woke up or they, they didn't warm up to pop-pop initially. Until I had to promise them, then go outside and all that. It's kind of it's disappointing because I have this desire. You mean they're they're, they're like the apples of my eye? I mean, it, they, I, are, are you with me? Are you are you following me? Is that explaining it well? This this delight that I have in them, this this joy that they bring me just by being there, and I and they're and they're walking around and they're doing their thing, and they're you know everything is new and everything about that experience. I just I desire. I like being around them. I like being around the big ones too. But they're just not as cute. They're beautiful, but they're just not as <laughs> No, I'm just teasing. I just I know Addie and Eleni are here and I hope Dom and Bella are listening. My grandchildren, the big ones, are just as precious 
as the little ones. But as I was in this, my brothers and sisters, you know, and we did a little bit more studying, and if the Lord wills on Wednesday, we'll continue in this study. But as I was in this, I'll be honest with you, I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to keep saying the same thing. So, So immediately... I went into some other things and God had me in another place, was nudging me in another place, which will go if he allows in, in the not too distant future here. But immediately I went to Psalm number two. So, so work with me here. In Psalm number two, here's what it says. Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and, his, and distress them in his deep displeasure. Let me pause here before I go forward into the next verse 6 just for a moment. I will tell you, and many of you, I'm going to say something to you, and, and I know those of you who have been studying, those of you who are students of the word, you, you're going to know this, oh big deal. But I want to tell you honestly, that's what's happening right now. The leaders of the world are uniting themselves. There's, there are those who are rich and those who are in power and they're uniting themselves. They're uniting together to try and go ahead and save the planet and do things and rule and reign separate from God. Now I'm going to tell you uh, minority people, white people, whoever you are, just whatever you're following, whatever doctrine, whatever theology, check it against this word. You see, because I'm going to tell you all something that any other thing that doesn't line up with this is against him. And this is what God is speaking to. This is what your father, my father, the one who created everything that we see and even those things that we can't see, this is exactly what he's speaking to. When I read this and then I look at what's going on in the culture today, what's going on not just in America but on this planet today, it reminds me of the same old thing, uh, the Tower of Babel. We're going to do it our way. We know better. We're going to do it absent from God. We're going to do it despite God. My brothers, my sisters, anybody who's doing this, any government, I don't care if it's red, white, and blue. I don't care. I don't care what any government, any leader that's trying to lead or trying to do something in his own wisdom separate from God, this is who, you're, this is who God is speaking to. I'm, that's Okay, I didn't expect to get, you know overwhelmed here but that's the truth when I look at what's happening in cultures and in societies today when I see what's happening in our own government what's happening with all of these quote unquote celebrities and people who have made a lot of money and all of a sudden by virtue of having a lot of money they have all this wisdom and know what's best for the rest of us and no you do not this and only this speaks to what's best for me, for you, for us, for all, whether you like it or not. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, you said amen. So now look at verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. This is God speaking. I will declare the decree. Verse 7. Hallelujah. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, O you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. P. 
Period. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're doing anything else, you're not blessed. And as we talked in, uh, on Wednesday, if the opposite of blessed is not to be not blessed. The opposite of blessed is cursed. Okay. We're all in agreement, I guess. Some of us, I don't know about anybody watching, but we're all in agreement. But I want to draw your attention back to verse 12. Kiss the sun. Kiss the S-O-N, not S-U-N. Kiss the sun. Lest he be angry. What is this speaking to? This is speaking to you, my brothers and sisters, speaking to us. Embrace his, you know, pay homage to him. Kiss him. Embrace him. Embrace. So what, what does that mean? Everything that he says, everything that he does, his leadership, his kingship, embrace him. Kiss him. You know, are you, am I saying this right? Because some of you are sitting there like, I'm speaking a different language. I'm telling you something, man. Come here. Wife, come here. Hurry, 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 hurry. No, it doesn't work that way. And, I, and this, is, this is silly, right? Look, if, if you see me hanging on to my wife, kissing her, I'm not going to do a you know, real passionate kiss because so, if I do, number one, she's going to get all flustered. Number two, it's not proper in church. But uh, you understand, there's this embrace, there's this, there's this acceptance are you, are you there? That's what, this, that's what this is speaking to. I'm his bride. Amen. Thank you. That was your cue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but accept it. Accept him. All that he is. All that he's done. His doctrine. Yes. Oh, come on. His commands. I love, I'm accepting it. And not because I have to. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kiss the Son. Accept Him. Accept His love. See, I accept and kiss Him. I, I, love his, I love Him. But it's not because I've made this decision, this big thing one day, and someone told me about this man, Jesus, who lived you know, a couple of thousand years ago and, 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 and roamed the earth, and He was a great philosopher, and He healed, and he, and he did all this, and they don't know where His body's buried. I love Him because He got up on that cross. And I say this a lot, and I'll continue to say it. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Don't forget, Jesus got up on that cross. He proved His love for me, not by raising from the dead or rising from the dead. He proved His love for me because He got on that cross and He paid a price that I could never pay. I could never do anything good enough that would render my service to God something that God cherished or something. No, I could never do anything. I was never good enough, would never be good enough, except that Jesus died for me. I kiss the Son. I accept everything about Him. I can't just accept the cross, my brothers and sisters, my young people. I can't just accept the cross and not accept and not kiss the Son. Not accept everything that He is. Hallelujah. <laughs> when I married Michelle, I took the whole package, baby. And when she, when she married me, don't you all, now don't get funny, I'm being serious. When she married me, she took the whole package, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's nothing bad or, good or ugly about Jesus. So when I kiss the Son, when I accept the Son, I have it all. I have everything. And it's all good. Yes. Hallelujah. From His part, 
I'm no good. Boy, you got quiet. That's why he had to do what he did. Now, I, I know that most, I, I can speak to probably most everyone in this room, I'm not sure about everyone, but most everyone understands that to a degree. There may be somebody listening. That someone knows that there's none righteous. No, not one. My hope is that someone's watching. Or maybe someone in here needs to be reminded of this because there's someone in your family. There's none righteous. No, not one. None of us are acceptable. Jesus died that we would be accepted. He, 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 listen. While we were yet sinners. He died. He didn't wait for me to get good and then say, okay, you're worth it. No. As far as he was concerned, I was already worth it. And so, I kiss the Son. I accept everything that he's done for me. Everything that he is, I accept the whole package. Amen? So, immediately when I'm, I'm in this, some things came to mind. And the one thing that came to mind was David and his experience. Uh, oh, he's, David has a lot of experience. He's a good example for a lot of us in so many ways. Uh, but I want to read to you uh, from 1 Samuel. There'll be a little bit of out of 1 Samuel. Most of what I'm going to go where I'll be right now will be out of 1 Samuel 26 through about 30-ish. I'm not going to read it all, so don't have a heart attack. I'm just going to read some bits and pieces and we'll go from there. Amen? So in 1 Samuel chapter 27, here's what verse 5 says. David said to Achish, if you have now found favor in if if I have excuse me if I have now found favor in your eyes let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there for why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you so Achish gave him Ziklag Ziklag is that day therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day now the time that that time now that the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months, one full year and four months. So now that gives us a hint. If you haven't been there a long time, if you've never been there, Achish was king of the Philistines. Who were the Philistines? Extreme enemies of Israel. We know that David. How did David end up here? Well, David was on the run from Saul, right? David was already an anointed king. Saul was the king. But now Saul is seeking to kill David. Right? And so he's on the run. So, but, but now David, you, you're, are you kidding me? So you're going to go and, and mount up with them? So David is now, and he, look at what he says. He, 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 he addresses uh, the king of the Philistines with respect, doesn't he? And he says, okay, I shouldn't just dwell here in the capital city Give, me a, uh, give, give us a little place that we can call our own. Give us a little corner of your kingdom and let us go there. Give us a little town out in the stick someplace. And so he grants him that. Achish grants him that. So, so David and his 600 men and all of their families, all of their livestock or whatever, goes to Siklag. Amen? Siklag is actually. Alright? So, but, but, but why there? How does that end up? How, David, out of all the places you could have been, you were already hiding out in other places. Of all the things that you could have done, what, why there? Remember, we were there not too many weeks ago, the second time that uh, David spared Saul. Remember the first time, he, Saul went into a cave, David and his men were hiding out, he cut the corner of Saul's garment, then after 
reached out, showed him the corner of the garment. Remember this time, this other time now, uh, David is in the hill, there's some spies. This was in chapter 26. David is in the hills and there are some spies, or I'm sorry, there are some people that sends word back to Saul. Saul goes out there, he's heading toward David to try and get him. Now remember, they're sleeping, Saul and his army, Saul's in the middle of them and he's got his right hand guy there and then they all, it says in the scripture very plainly that the Lord causes a deep sleep. David and his, he says, who will go with me? David, his spies now tell David, Saul's after you. He knows where you're at. So David says, I'm going to go down to their camp. Who's going to go with me? Right? So he has one of, two of his men volunteer. So one of the guys go, goes with him. <clears throat> Abishai goes with him. Now, they get down there. They're sleeping. David and his, his servant, they go down there. And there's the uh, canteen. There's this water pot. And there's a spear right next to where Saul's sleeping. He's totally surrounded by his men. Now, the servant says, let me take this spear. I'll drive it right through him into the ground. I won't have to do it twice. It's done. Done deal. And we know what happens. David says, no, no, no. I can't do that. I can't, I'm not going to kill God's anointed. I can't do that. So nevertheless, they take the spear. They take the water cooler to the canteen. And they go up. And then in the morning, they cry out. And David cries out to uh, Saul's right-hand guy and says, man, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You should be put to death. I could have got it. You're supposed to be protecting the king. You're supposed to be all that, the big man. Look at it look and shows him the stuff. Now Saul recognizes David's voice and he starts crying out to him and he calls him son. And he starts talking to David. <clears throat> and he actually says, David lets, lets his heart go and says, you know, why are you after me? Here again, I, I've, I've spared your life. You know, I've done, I've done nothing wrong. I, I haven't done anything to you, but you continue to, to taunt me down. You continue to do all this. And, you know, I've, I've, I cherish your life. I, I, I value your life. Why are you still doing this to me? And, you know, Saul, you know, hollers back at him and basically, basically tells him, you know, you know what, you're right, you're the better man than I am. You know, come on back, come on back home. Okay? David, they, they exchange. David goes on his way. But I want to read to you, this is very important. First Samuel 27, verses 1 and 2. David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Did you hear that? And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. David, in his own intelligence, David, in his own mind, and in his own heart says, I know how I'm going to fix this. I'll, I know because I know he's going to kill me. Right? Okay. All of the, everything in the natural looked that way. But is that what God had planned for David? No. No. David is making up his mind. He's making this decision on his own. He's making this decision without God. This decision is, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to do what seems right to me. And what's he doing? I'm going to go now to the ultimate, listen, to the ultimate enemy of Israel because I know he's not going to hunt me down there. Right? That's, you know what, I, I really, I never really thought of it that way or that deeply about it. I mean, I always knew that and, and many of you in here. But just think about that for one moment. 
Not only am I going to be outside the will of God, I'm going to go so far outside the will of God. I'm going with the very sworn enemy of Israel, but the people that are probably one of the most terrorizing nations among the face of the earth right now who seek to overthrow the people of God. That's who he went. Why? He's not going to go for me there. Right? So David, you know, David does really well for, for this king. He goes in there and he starts, he'll go into the ites and tites, the Amalekites, the Geshurites, or some of the ites and tites. He goes in there and he, 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 he pillages the land. He brings back the spoil to the king. And he's letting the king think that he's doing this to the Israelis. But he's not. He's doing it to the other enemies of Israel. Right? So now the king is, it takes, you know, this guy is serving me. This guy is loyal to me. Right? Okay. So I just want you to know that. that now, now Israel is, I mean, sorry, now the Philistines are gathering their armies to attack Israel. And they're, they're mounting up. Now, it's, it's, now Saul gets wind of this. So we know what Saul does. Saul does what Saul does. He no longer has Samuel to go to. God, ain't, God is not listening to Saul at all. He can't hear from God himself. So now he goes to a, a medium. He goes to, a, he goes to the, uh, the, the local, uh, what do we call them? The California, what do they call them? Psychics, yeah. He, he goes to the California psychic, and now he's going to say, I, I need to hear from God. I need to hear, you know, call up Samuel. Let's have a seance. Let's call up Samuel so I get some instruction. I mean, he's totally out there. Yes. Totally out there. And so, let me, let me get this right, David. You're anointed king of Israel. God has a plan for you. God already tells you what he's going to do for you and in you. And so now this guy right here who, you know, God has already rejected because he just won't listen to God. He won't obey him. God won't speak to him. God doesn't talk to him. He's going now to the psychics. He's gone to the other side for, for guidance. And, and, and now you're, this is the one that you're afraid of. This is the one that you're going to hide out away from God. Let me, let me also draw your attention. When you read back uh, in, I think it was again, 26, but when you read back and part of what David is saying is he's saying, listen, you won't let me come into the land. You're, late, you're making me go into these other lands serving other gods. That's what he said. He said, now you're, you're making me serve all of this other... You're, see, they, he, there, there's this acquaintance that they have. Now, if I'm in the land of God, serving God, doing the thing that God has called me to do, but you're making me be someplace else, therefore I'm not serving God in, in what God has called me to do. I'm serving these other, the gods of these lands. Come on, why are you all so quiet? See, see, see that's, we end up being, let's, let's not talk geography. Let's talk spiritually now. Spiritually speaking, sometimes we find ourselves in places that we shouldn't be, and then we're in those places, automatically we're serving something that we're not supposed to serve. Come on now. Listen, I'm going to tell, I'll speak to all people, but let me again speak to my young people. Listen, hear my heart here. I think the Lord's going to come back before I die, but if He doesn't, I, I need I need for some of you young people to start stepping up because I don't plan on me going away and this uh, ministry going away. I need some young people to step up. I need some young pastors to come to by my side right now so that if the Lord does tarry, if the Lord does take me home before He raptures me out of here, I need somebody here. 
Okay, so why did you have to say that? Because I'm telling you young people in this room, I don't care how old you are, you do not have to be where they are. You don't have to do what they're doing. I'm telling you, if you go where they are, eventually you're going to do what they do. And see, I'm getting a lot of amen from the older people. You know how come we say amen? Been there and done it. And I don't mean that to be funny. I wish I would have known the Lord sooner where I wouldn't have done those things. That doesn't make me a better preacher because I've sinned in my life before, because I've experienced some of those things that I'm asking you not to experience. I tell my grandkids all the time, especially one of them, you don't have to try things. Don't do that. You've got a call on your life. That's not going to make you a better servant of the Lord. You don't have to have that experience. I wish I hadn't had some of the experiences that I've had. Come on! If you've got a call on your life and you know it and you're young enough to know God right now, don't do those other things. Don't go to those other places. Yeah, but I, you know, I don't know what it's like to go to the club. Good, you don't need to know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to hang out in that spot or this spot or go here or go there or be with this group or be with that group, have lunch at that table. But it doesn't matter. It don't, you don't need to know. When you go away from where God has placed you, you're going to then experience what God didn't want you to experience in the first place. So here again, I got only the older people saying, that's right, and yes and amen. And I'm not saying you're wrong for doing so. But, why do we as older people continue to do it? Uh Uh-oh. Come on, thank you, sister. Why? Why do I, why? Why do we continue to do those same things? Why do we why? See, David is I think the the scripture through David right here is telling us something. Don't 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 run away from this spot because something looks bad in this spot. If that's where God has called you to be, like David had a call to be the king over Israel, then be king over Israel. Yeah, but I can't kill him. Don't kill him. My brothers and sisters, wherever you are, you may be suffering. If you go here, you're around this certain people, man, they make fun of you, they criticize you. Come on. They criticize you. And, and, and some of them call themselves your brothers and sisters. But they're not walking the same walk that you are, so they feel conviction. And when they feel conviction, I've got a, my grandson goes through that at school. And I love him for it because he just says that he's going to follow Jesus. My brothers and my sisters, my young, my, my, my grandchildren, man, Don't stop serving. Don't compromise. No matter who doesn't like you. And they may say that they're Christians. And sometimes those are the ones that are going to hurt you the worst. I should say the most. My brothers and sisters, family members, you've heard me say this from this pulpit so many times, but we have family members who are Christians or confess Christ, and they'll be the ones that hurt you. So here, what are you saying, Tony? Don't worry about it. Don't listen to them. You stay dogmatic or you stay whatever word you... You're, oh, you're a Pharisee. You're judging me. No, I'm not judging anybody. I'm judging myself. I'm looking at the Word of God and I can't do that. Wow, well, what do you think? You're holier than me? I, no, I, I'm not holier than anybody. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Right? So, oh, oh what's the matter now? You're not going to go with us like we're used to? You're not going to go... You know, we ain't, 
yeah, I'm not going to go there because I know when you get there, you're going to smoke dope. Or I'm not going to go there because I know what you're going to do when you get there. No, I'm not going. Or are you better than us? No, I'm not better than anybody. I've just chosen. I'm embracing the Lord. I'm, I'm kissing the Son. I'm kissing the Son. I've accepted everything that He is. I want everything that He wants for me. I want it. Ha! Huh? He wants me. I want Him. So David ends up in this place because I'm self-protection, man. He, I'm going to get killed if I go there. Now the Philistines are gathering this army, and, and so now David, they're marching all before the, the princes of, uh, of the Philistines, so all the armies, the Philistines, these great thousands of men, and they're marching, and there's David and his little 600 men, and they go across. And so the princes don't like this. And the princes say, listen, what's the, what's, the Israel, what's the Israelite doing with us? He can't go. This Israelite, when we get in the middle of the battle, he'll take out the leaders and he'll show the heads to Saul and that's how he's going to earn favor back with his king. No, 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 no. This can't happen. So Akish has to say to uh, David, man, sorry, man, you can't go. You, you, they're, just, they're not going to have it. I know you're loyal to me. You serve me. I, I know that. And you know, I wouldn't have anybody else but just go ahead, go back to Ziklag, go back home. You know, you just sit this one out. So what does David do? They all right. Takes his men, they go back to Ziklag. When they get to Ziklag, many of us in the room, we know what they find. While they were away, the Amalekites came and burned the city to the ground, took all the women and children, all the livestock, and they left. Left the city in rubble, in ash. So David and his men... That's what they find. So it says in the Bible that they cried until they couldn't cry anymore. There are people in this room, I know there are people in this room, and I know there's people that are watching me right now. You've cried. Real tears. Real tears. You were hurt by something or someone, and you cried real tears. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you, you, you still do. You you think about some of those old things and it brings sorrow to you and it brings tears to your eyes. And, but can you imagine, my brothers and sisters, that when, when they go back, everything is gone. Everything, every person that they loved closely, held near and dear to their hearts are gone. It's a, they, they just felt a severe loss. See, listen, when this happened to them, I'm looking at this and I see some of the things that have hurt me, some of the things that I... And I say, man, yeah, it's okay to feel sorrow, but understand something. God knows what this is like. And there are people who have had experiences and continue to have experiences far worse as it relates to bringing severe sorrow and grief. You know, loss of loved ones, you know, whatever the case may be. But, but really have... But God knows it. But so, look at... I, I, I have here in my notes, you know, David suffered the loss as well. He had family. He had goods. He's the leader of these, this, this, this crew. And he also cried. David cried until he couldn't cry anymore. You know, have you ever been in that place where you just feel such deep sorrow and you, you don't know how long it's going to last? You just wish it would end? They felt that. And probably worse than I've ever experienced it in my life. 
And the king of Israel, the one who was anointed king, the one who talked with God and God talked with, that one who has worshipped God from the time that he was a little boy, and who he knew God chose. He knew. And God revealed himself to him. And he's crying so much that he can't cry anymore. But let me read to you. In verse 6 of uh, 1 Samuel 30. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. So now watch. On top of all of that, what else can be piled on me in this moment? Have any of you had that in your life? Amen. Where, where things are going wrong and no matter what happens, every, you turn around, what next? You're waiting and it's that next shoe is always dropping. There's, oh, you turn here, you think it can't get any worse than it is right now. And then, sure enough, it gets worse. Has anybody ever experienced that in their life? Oh, well, what's the matter? You're not a Christian? What's the matter? Don't you trust God? What's the matter? What are you, what are you a sinner dog? It doesn't always work that way. It's not because you may be in this deep sin. It may be. It may be. Maybe you are sinning. And maybe you think God is hearing you, but He's not hearing you. You know why He's not hearing you? Because you're regarding iniquity in your life. You won't get rid of it. Because you continue to sin, and you think that God is your good time God. He's full of grace and mercy. So I can continue to live this sinful lifestyle. I can continue to do this secret thing that not even Pastor Tony knows. But I continue to do that. But then when I go in my prayer closet, God's going to hear me. He's going to make everything alright. No. It does not work that way. It doesn't. I'm sorry, I can name some preachers, but I ain't going to do it. It does not work that way. Well, I thought it wasn't work really. It's not based on your works. It's based on Christ Jesus, and it's based on you following Christ. It's based on you acknowledging that you stink on ice, and when you miss the mark and that check goes off and you don't ignore it. When that che- when you- Listen, when you feel conviction, you respond to it. You don't ignore it, and you go to him and you say, God, forgive me, and he forgives you. Solid. But maybe it's not because you're in sin. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's simply you made a terrible decision. Now, I've been here over the last few weeks. I I don't know how many weeks ago. But I said the same thing. Basically, some of us find ourselves in bad situations because we continue to make bad decisions. David is in this situation because he made a very, very bad decision. And now he not only finds himself at severe loss as it relates to his family and his possessions, now he's, his, 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 what he has left wants to kill him. Now it's, it, this is it. So let's continue. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Aha! Did you you hear that? David strengthened himself, how? In the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, uh, Ahimelech's son, please bring me the ephod here to me. Bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Do, do, Do you hear that? So watch. This is so good, my brothers and my sisters. At the very bottom, David's at the bottom. He's lost everything. He's cried. He cannot cry anymore. And he's crying, God, how could you do this to me? I'm your king. I'm the one you anointed. I didn't kill Saul twice. I could have killed him twice. I obeyed you. Making the list. 
Anybody remember that message? Come on, check the list. I did this, I didn't do that, I did check in the list. God's not into behavior modification. I checked the list. God, I did everything. I didn't even kill him. I could have killed him and this could have been all over. I could have been back home and this would have never happened. God, why did you let this happen? No. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that at all. I'm going to get a hold of God. This is what David's saying. I need to hear from God now. Somebody ought to say, Amen. I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God now. Bring me the ephod. So he gets the ephod brought back to him, and then he, he consults of God. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue sh- sh- this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover some. All. Without fail, you'll recover all. Without fail, you'll recover all. There's a, see, he got a hold of God, my brothers and sisters. He got a hold of God. He did what he was supposed to do, what he should have been doing all along. And there were probably moments, so I'm not going to sit here and say, we all have moments, but my brothers and sisters, so I'm, I'm looking at that, and he got the ephod, so I said, okay, God, the ephod, this, this must be a special thing that only David and, and priests can do. Let's go to Exodus chapter 28, verse 4. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and sash, and a sash, so that they make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that they may minister to me as priests. Did you hear that? We're going to designate these special things that they're to wear because I'm calling them now to minister to me as priests. What does that mean, minister to me as priests? They're going to serve me. They're serving me. Come on. They're not serving you. They're not called to be priests so they can counsel you, get you through the day. They're called to be my priests. They're called to serve me. Did you hear that? So now I see David in that moment. I say, okay, David understood something. David said, okay, I'm God's servant. I'm not my own servant. I'm not, listen, I'm not the king of my own life. Right? I'm not in charge. I'm God's servant. I better go ahead and get a hold of God. So he puts on that ephod, and to me that's telling me, I am God's servant. I've got to serve God. I am called to minister to God. Man, I'm telling you something. This is not affecting you like it's affecting me. Did somebody turn the heat on in this place? Because I am burning up up here. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll take it. But, but do you understand what, what the Lord... I believe that the Lord is ministering to us, definitely ministering to me. Listen, I, we sang it. How many of you say, I belong to you? Amen. Did you mean it? Yes. Did you mean it? Okay. See, this is what David is saying. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I need to get... I need to, I'm God's servant. See, look at that. Look at how many people of those 600 men that went to him. You know, he didn't call them. David didn't call them. David didn't beg them. He didn't pay them to come with him. They desired to go with him. They followed him. They were, they were, either they were vagabonds themselves as it relates to, you know, they were either, you know, outcasts among their own people or something. But each and every one of them went to David. And they had families now. They have some possessions now. Yeah, they're in hiding now, but they went to David. 
now when things get really bad, really bad, I'm talking about really bad, now what do they want to do? They want to kill David. So I'm going to tell you young people. No, I'm going to tell everybody. But I really pray you young people will pay attention to Pop-Pop right now. Not just Pop-Pop, but the older man in your life who is like your grandfather. Like your grandfather. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what they say, what they do, in that moment when you're doing things according to what makes them happy, what makes them feel good, when you're enjoying this fellowship with them, and it's in a place, and it's in this... But let me say something to you. Because the minute you do something that affects them negatively, they're going to turn on you, and the only one that's going to stay by you is Jesus. See, it's going to be all fun and games. It's going to be all good. But the only one that will stick with you through thick and thin and everything in between is Jesus. David did not beg these people to follow him. They chose to follow David. They thought that things would be better. And when they went with David and things got worse, they turned on David. Just like some of you and some of the family members that you have or some of the good time buddies and so on and so forth that you have. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, and I don't care if they say that they're Christians. And I don't mean that. Man, I, I sound so ugly right now. Don't I, pray for me. I sound so ugly right now, don't I? No, I, but I've, I've been there. Some of the people that have said the worst things about me are the people who claim to be godly. Some of the people that are in those neighborhoods right now that are talking bad about me are the ones that were here and are telling lies. It happens. That's the way it goes. But I'm going to tell you, God knows the truth. God knows the truth about you. So, what are you going to do? You're going to look to please them, be with them? You said it. I belong to you, Jesus. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. Embrace Him. Amen? Hallelujah. So, so, so now watch. We, we, we see about this ephod and what, it's, what it meant to Israel and, and the significance of it. But I also remembered another time when David himself, and this was later. Now David, you know, Saul's dead, long dead. And David has a desire, right? He's king now. And he has a desire to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to, to Jerusalem, right? Now the first time he tries it, it goes bad. Right? Somebody dies and David's afraid. And so I'll just park it right here, boys. And then when it's parked right there, remember that house was blessed. David says, okay, something to this, I got to get this right. So David does it right the next time, doesn't he? Doesn't he? So they bring that, they do it just as God instructed. See? They did what God said and did not compromise anything about what God said. God said, do it this way. If you do not do it this way, something bad is going to happen. And so, how come we, as people, His people, we don't get that? We still continue to try to compromise, mix and match what we know of the world, and, we, and then when it turns out bad, <gasps> we're not God. Come on, I'm not trying to be funny, but you know this is real. You know how I know it's real? Been there, done it. Been there, done it. I've made some bad decisions. And I've been in the place where I said, okay, God... This is not my kids got sick. God, I'm serving you. How can the kids get sick? Okay, it's because you're not praying right. Maybe it's because I need you to call out to me. You're not those kids' God. I'm their God. Those kids are loaned to you, Tony. Those kids are loaned to you. Those kids are loaned to you. They're God's creation. 
So what do we go? See? So I said, okay, God, I'm going to seek you. God, protect my kids. God, love my kids. God, do, God, 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 it's you. I can't do anything. I can't save them. I can do what I can do humanly possible to protect them, but ultimately they're yours. Yes. Right? And I take everything, and I should be taking everything to God that way. Everything. Right? Okay, so I remember that. So now, now David's doing it totally different, right? He's bringing the ark out. They take six steps. Every time they take six steps, they're cutting animals' throat and they're making sacrifices to God. Six steps, boom, let's do it. And they're praising God. They're worshiping God. They understand now the gravity. They understand the holiness of God. They understand when God speaks, it's real. It's, this is what you do. God, God, is not, God is not to be trifled with. God is to be taken seriously. God is... I kiss the sun... I embrace Him. I embrace everything He is, everything He wants, His purpose for me, not my own. I kiss the Son. Amen? Hallelujah. David is kissing the Son. David is, in effect, doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? Following the commands, and he's worshiping and honoring God. So much so, it says that David took the ephod. In verse uh, 14 of chapter 6, 2 Samuel 6, David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. What? Yes. You know what David did? He made everybody stand up and take notice of what? I serve God. Right? So now what happens? We know his wife is now peeking through the window. She sees, oh yeah, you made a total fool of yourself. Now all the maids, when you were dancing and twirling, they could see things about their king that they shouldn't have seen before. She, it says that she despised him. Michal despised him. What did she despise? She despised the simple fact that he, listen, that he wasn't dignified as the king. No, he wasn't dignified as the king. You know what he was doing? He, he made himself a dignitary of the servant of Jesus, of the servant of the living God. That's what he did. He threw off the royal robes. It's not about me. Right? It's not about my stature. It's not even about what God has done for me. Come on! It's not even about what God has done for me. I am a servant of God. He's dancing before the Lord in the ephod. Now he's not trying to get a hold of God just simply to say, God, help me. What should I do? He knows what to do and he's doing it and now he's showing everybody and every living creature, I serve the true and living God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Threw off those robes. Didn't care what anybody thought. Didn't have to be dignified. Amen. Just threw it all off and said, I serve God. I'm His servant. First and foremost, I am not the king. I am His servant. First and foremost, I am not the pastor. I'm His servant. First and foremost, you're not dad. You're His servant. First and foremost, those kids, again, I'm going to tell you, those kids do not belong. I don't know why I'm saying this. The kids do not belong to you. They belong to God. They're loaned to you. So treat them like they're God's property. Hallelujah. Young people, your parents love you. God could have made you been born from anybody else, but He chose those two. Well, you don't know my parents. It doesn't matter. Pray for them. Pray for them. It doesn't matter. You pray for them. You don't know. It, I, I don't know. I don't. About your parents and about the relationship that you have with them. But here's what I do know. I know what his word says. Pray for them. Young people, it ain't going your way at the house. Well, big deal. 
if you are down and disappointed because things aren't going your way and your parents don't jump when you say jump and you're not getting everything you want or everybody else has something and everybody else gets to do or whatever the case may be, I don't care because your parents said no or the parent. Listen, when you get out of your parents' house, you think everybody's going to say yes to you and you're going to get whatever you want when you walk out of your parents' house. Let me just tell you something. Most of you have it as, as good as you're ever going to have it in your parents' house. I'm just saying that. As it relates to not having to work hard and get stuff. Man, I better preach to this wall right here because I, don't, I think I'm going to make somebody mad at me. And then they're going to go out in the neighborhood and talk bad about me. You know what? Listen, I'm just speaking real. I'm, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, we've got to stop making these decisions that in this moment feel good and we need to kiss the sun. We need to embrace Jesus and all that He is and let that guide our lives and not our own intellect. Not what we read or not what Tony said or not what uh, Pastor so-and-so said or this preacher, that evangelist. Don't, no, no, no. What does the Word say and what does... Put on your ephod. Put on your ephod. God has given us an ability that we don't deserve. God has given us a right that we don't deserve. Through Christ Jesus, we have access to Him in His room. We can get a hold of God through, through Jesus. To Him who loved us and washed us from our sins, this is Revelation chapter 1, from our sins with His own blood and has made us kings and priests. Did you hear that? to God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You see what that's saying? He washed you and I with His own blood. And He has now made you and I kings and priests. Uh, We know what it says in 1 Peter. Coming to Him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Are Are you serious? You see, listen. Embrace the Son. Kiss the Son. You have the ephod. You know how to get a hold of God. Through the Son, He's given you this ability to get a hold of God. You can shake the heavenlies. You can get a hold of God. This is what Jesus has done for us. In Romans 13, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on, let us put on the armor of light. You've got to put it on. And we all know about Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. Put on the armor. Okay, I know. We'll, maybe we'll get there. Galatians three twenty six. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all sons and daughters of God. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as us are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Did you see that? There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to say it again. As the world continues to try to divide us, as they're continuing to build their Tower of Babel, and they're trying to get us to join up with them, and if we don't join up with them, they want us destroyed. Tony, that's awfully, that's the truth. Like it or leave it, that's the truth. That's the truth. So now watch. We're in this last day. There is no Greek. There is no Jew. 
What does that mean? We're all one race. Right? I told you before, I'm going to tell you again, I'm going to keep saying it until the Lord shuts my mouth and brings me home. We're one race, human race. We're different colors, different sizes, different shapes, but we're all one race. Stop talking about you women, you've got to have your rights, you've got to do this, you're going to stand up for this woman's group, that woman's group. You men, man, stop identifying with these groups. Please, can I please get you to stop identifying with these groups? If you learn anything, read the scripture and see what it says. Stop identifying with these groups. Well, you know, they're looking out for me, they're going to give me justice. No one can give you justice. There's only justice with God. So let's identify, let's put on Christ. Let's be part of his body. Let, let, watch, watch. Let's kiss the sun. Let's kiss the sun. And in the sun, we're all one. Human race. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female. You're his kid. That's all that matters. Amen? Listen. Economics, socioeconomics, don't matter. When it says slave or free, that's what it's saying. It doesn't matter whether you own it or, you, or you're the one that is working for the one that owns it. It doesn't matter because God owns it all anyway. And we all are working for the one who owns it all. So it doesn't matter where you are in this life, socioeconomically. It doesn't matter. There's no difference. We're all one. Right? One, listen, one. And no matter what they say, when they're telling you all these commercials and they're saying all this stuff and they're saying, we're in this together and all that. No. If you don't love Jesus, I ain't with you. I'll pray for you. I'll love you. I'll try to, I'll try to love you into the kingdom. But listen, if you are part of the Tower of Babel, don't count on me. I'm not going to put a brick in that wall. Ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. And listen, I am not of that. I am not of that. I am certainly not going to build a wall to keep you out. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to try to be the bridge that gets you in. But my brothers and sisters, I will not compromise, and you shouldn't either. I am about, I am embracing the sun. I'm kissing the sun. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop making these decisions that seem right to me, that feel right to me. I'm going to stop, listen, here's the part of this, that sit in the seat of the scornful, and if someone doesn't agree with me, whether I think I'm right or whether I have the scripture to back it up, I'm not going to sit there and think bad of them. I'm not going to sit there and deride them or derail them. Do you understand that? That's sitting in the seat of the scornful. I think that someone else is lower than me because they don't believe the same thing that I do. Come on. I don't have to agree with them, but I don't have to think less of them. Jesus died for them just like he died for me. Right? I don't have to make everybody agree with me. And if they don't agree with me, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, less a human being or less valuable than I am. Can Can you understand that? Do you understand why I'm saying this? Man, we could disagree and still love each other. We can disagree, and you could be not in the kingdom, and I could, and I'll still pray for you. But understand something: as far as I'm concerned, that Bible tells me I prefer those who are in the kingdom. Uh oh, I, I got a few amens, but that's what it says: be good, be kind, especially to those who are in the household of faith. It doesn't it say? Come on, somebody shout me down here. Doesn't it say that? So I'm going to tell you something. So that means also you. That means also you. To me. Well, why do you guys say that, Tony? You want us to show you favor? You want... Yeah. Give me the benefit of the doubt. Read the word before you leave the church and go talk bad about me in the neighborhood. Come on. We're the household of faith. We're, we're supposed to show hospitality to each other, take care of each other, love one another. That's part of kissing the sun. Right? But man, behold, 
I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. What garment? Garments that he's given me. There's armor of light. Listen, remember, he is the one who clothes himself, right, in a light that you can't approach. And now he's telling us, right, that we have this, these garments, pick up these garments of light, this armor of light. Amen. Amen. So watch. Embrace Jesus. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. Take everything that He is. Let Him guide you through some of these decisions that you're making. Young people, decisions about college, decisions, some of us who are more advanced, who are studying for the ministry, decisions about what we'll do, where we'll go. Come on. Decisions, older people, decisions about you know, this, the helping your kids, doing it properly, guiding and counseling your children properly without trying to be their friend and taking the risk that, you know, in this moment, they're not going to like this, but I got to, with wisdom and love, got to prove to them or show them that there could be discipline and love. In fact, without discipline, there is no love. Right? So now, man, I'm covering a lot of stuff here, aren't I? Okay. But, but, but please, please, hear my heart. What I'm trying to say is that all of us, not all of us in this room or even looking uh, on, uh, over the internet are in the same place. We're all suffering maybe different things. And maybe some of us are in the middle of the results of a bad decision that we've made. It ain't over. Put on the ephod. Remember who you serve. And remember, it's not about you, it's about Him. So go to Him. Go to Him. Put on the ephod. Embrace Jesus. Kiss the Son. Amen? And so maybe you're going, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe that's not you. You just have this minor setback. It's, some, it's external, or you think it's external. The kids, um, the job, um, this relationship, that relationship. Man, put on the ephod. Ask God, should I pursue? Should I go? Should I do? What should I do? God will help you. But remember, you've got to put on the ephod first. So now, I'm going to ask you to bear with me one more minute. Putting on the ephod, again, you have to put that on first because when you go to God, you may get an answer you didn't expect. You may get an answer that you really didn't want. But now if you put on an ephod and now you realize, I'm serving Him. I didn't come here to get Him to do what I wanted Him to do, which is what we do. I came here to get instruction from Him. I came here so that He could tell me what He wants me to do. So if you don't learn anything else today, my brothers, my sisters, learn that. Put on the ephod first. And what that means is it's a mindset. I'm His. Amen? I serve Him. Stand with me, please. I went a little long. I'm, i so we'll just, let's just pray. And let's just pray. If you, if you know that God has ministered to you, and there's a situation, let's just say, let's just look at it this way. Generally speaking, in your life, there have been some odds and ends, some things. But now I want to speak to those who might be in the middle of something. You're in the middle of this situation and you feel pretty sure that it's because you've made a bad decision. Now is the time to put on the ephod. Now is the time to say, okay, God, I understand. You spoke to me. 
and I know that I serve you. So forgive me for having it wrong. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me. So now, God, you lead and God and direct me. Amen? So, so for all of us, Father, we come before you right now. And no matter what state we find ourselves in, Lord Jesus, we thank you for meeting us here.